Hello, and welcome to Represent the Podcast, the show where I, Katie Beth McKinney, sit down with composers from historically marginalized and underrepresented backgrounds and discuss their works for the horn. Hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Represent the Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Beth McKinney. This is a show where I speak with composers from historically marginalized or underrepresented backgrounds about their works for horn. Today, I have with me Lydia Laurie Bustler, who is a horn player, composer, and transformation coach, and I'm really excited to jump in with her. So thank you, Lydia, for being here today. Hey, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> I know we're in different uh, weather zones, even from the same time zone, so this is, I'm sure, fun. Oh my gosh. It is so cold here. <laughs> <laughs> and for those who don't know, I'm speaking, well, right now I'm in sunny Venice, Florida, actually, which I'm happy to report survived the hurricane. Um, so this is a Yay. good time here. Oh, my goodness. So uh, how did you start in music and in composing? Those can be two completely different answers if you'd like to give them. <laughs> right. Um, well, first of all, um, music. Let's see. I think I started... Um, singing really really early my my parents say that I started singing when I was like in the in the crib and um then I I really just started kind of in the school playing flutophone flutophone (laughs) Um, yeah it was the the, yeah they they gave us all flutophones they were instead of recorders they're like recorder like things okay yeah so, i'm uneducated um, i don't know what a flutophone is so <laughs> that's a new one yeah for me. it's very much like uh like a recorder except it's um it's plastic and mm. um i and apparently this was something that in rural massachusetts people had because i had my mother's flutophone that she had had when she was little <laughs> and um yeah and everybody else had these white plastic ones and i had a black one so it looked Ooh. very much real like a real recorder so uh you know we learned things like kookaburra oh yes <laughs> classic you know <laughs> the well-revered kookaburra and uh yeah after that I I actually my beginnings were a lot in um observing Russian ballet uh that was no just kidding. something that I observed a lot of. And back then you could, uh, I had, we had a family friend who's not alive anymore, but he, he got a, um, he somehow got a Russian bride uh, and she came over from Russia and was a guest in our house quite often. I have, I still have a liking for Russian tea. I have Russian tea tins with Russian written all over them. And I, you know, had no idea back then, but she and I conversed. Anyway, I I loved um, watching the Russian ballet and I heard the Russian horn players. Mm-hmm. And I just, I loved listening to the Russian ballet. So when in the school they it came time to choose instruments. I wanted to play flute because my mother played flute. And they said, wouldn't you like to play this French horn? And uh, I looked at it and it was all swirly and and beautiful and shiny. And I I actually knew what it sounded like. (laughs) And, you know, so I was, it was pretty much a hell yeah. Um, (laughs) So uh, that's what I did that's incredible that's yeah Russian ballet is not an answer I've gotten before so that's great (laughs) that's amazing right right (laughs) carried it you know with those 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 cases those clunky cases with the Mm -hmm. with the big bell and uh knocking against my knees and got on the bus and the bus Mm -hmm. driver would say what's a little girl like you doing playing a big tuba like that and I'd say (laughs) it's not a tuba Oh yeah, we all know those bruises that you get from those hard cases before we get screw bell horns, right? You know, it's yep. on your shins and calves and God knows where else. <laughs> oh yes, um, throwback. Um, <laughs> so how did you get into composing? Composing just started to happen. I think I just did it. And it was, um, and I didn't really think about the fact that I was doing it. I I think I've always created and I started just 
improvising by starting to play things that I heard and um, just playing them by ear and then just playing what I heard in my head and playing that by ear. Mm -hmm. And then that turned into writing down what I heard in my head. So after having written, um, written a few things that, and not really taking myself that seriously as a composer for, for whatever reason, I don't know. Cause I think I was, I'd written more than people who really did take themselves seriously. But um, I had, and I had studied theory um, at New England Conservatory at that time. And I was pretty well versed, but I still didn't think of myself as a composer. But um, then I started to really, to really think about it. I think the problem was my manuscript was so slow and I was mm. writing all in manuscript. Mm. You know, a lot of people think of themselves as composers and they just, um, and I'm not poo-pooing this at all, but they, <laughs> they, they compose from a keyboard mm -hmm. and um, it goes, it goes straight into the software and I don't, I really do note for note. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I was using, I, I one of my pieces, the frost cycle was half composed in New York city. And uh, which is funny cause it's so pastoral, but mm -hmm. and half composed on a little island in the middle of a lake called Lake Winnipesaukee mm. in um, the tiny state of New Hampshire mm -hmm. uh, where I was um, teaching at a Suzuki camp, which may sound funny as a hornist, but um, <laughs> we like to be well-rounded yeah. as horn players. That's part of our thing, That's right? right. You know? <laughs> if we can read in all keys, we can teach all instruments. Oh, you have a cat? Oh, cool. That's right. Well, well, I, we had it, I had a cabin there mm -hmm. and it was for, for that. And, and it had no power or anything. And I just sat in there and I just wrote from my, wrote from my brain, this, you know, a couple of the movements of the frost cycle, but, you know, writing down this stuff and manuscript being so was really just like, it's kind of tedious. Mm -hmm. Which correct me if I'm wrong. And the then, frost cycle is for horn and soprano and piano, right? Yeah, that's yes, right. Right. So yeah, yeah I imagine no. writing piano manuscript is is slow. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, people ended up really liking that piece a lot. Oh um, yeah, it's gorgeous. It's it's um it's really you know one of the movements of it's really strophic and mm -hmm. and um, just you know it's kind of an easy to easier to like piece than some, but the um. I did a, I, I later, I had a baby and I started to miss it. I just started to really miss it because I constantly had this kid on my back mm -hmm. and constantly just didn't have time. So I said, I've got to do something. I was just walking around town kind of with tears in my eyes saying I'm not sitting down and doing this mm -hmm. so what can I do and so then I really just took to improvising again I said I'm gonna just I'm gonna play an entire concert improvised and I did it I just said I'm gonna improvise this concert this is what it's going to be called. Um, Y'all come. And so. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's what wow. And I, I made a program. I said, these are the, what the pieces are going to be called. I do name my, name my improvisations because it just kind of keeps me honest. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes it so that, that I'm not ever repeating stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think I do repeat stuff, but it, and it gives the audience something to adhere to. Mm -hmm. And then I also take suggestions from the audience. 
Um, and, and just to be clear, this was on horn. You improvised and an that entire was on concert horn on horn. That I did that. Wow. Yeah. I will also do that with voice. I'll do that with horn and voice. Mm-hmm. But um, and one of the one of the pieces just I kept it in my memory so much that I turned it into a piece that I wrote later. Mm-hmm. And that was Moon Lilies. Oh yes. So. Um, and then I, and then I got music composition software and I became a finale junkie and <laughs> since, <laughs> since finale, um, I've written a lot and I started writing orchestral pieces and, um, and I, and I still, uh, improvise a lot. I've gone all over the country improvising and teaching people how to how to free improvise mm-hmm. with um without it being scary i was gonna say as a horn player i think one of my big fears i won't speak for the whole community but it may be more of us um fracking notes is scary <laughs> and the idea of having to improvise on on the horn is is terrifying to me so i'd love for you to talk more a little bit about that if you want sure yeah um I've gone to great big groups of, of brass players and um, gotten them to free improvise and gotten them to improvise um, with one another. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you do that? You know? Right. So the thing that scares people is um, almost universally when, because it, it scares people who can improvise too, but improvise with a chart in front of them. Mm-hmm. You know, so you've got a you've got a key a key structure there. You've got someone laying down a rhythm. You've got you know you've got support. So when that happens, you're you're not out there naked. But when you go to improvise and you're free improvising, people are listening and they're expecting something and they're gone. They're going to hear a structure, but you're out there. And you feel naked. Mm-hmm. Because you don't have a structure. You feel like you don't have anything in mind. The thing is, they don't know that. There's no reason you can't give yourself a structure. So how I often start people is just to um, just to have everybody play something that everybody knows. I just give them a key and I have them play something like Amazing Grace. Mm -hmm. And then, and everybody can, can, can usually do it. And then um, I'll have everybody just start to play around with it a little bit. And let's kind of show them that they can do that. And then say that really a and a free improvisation has something in which you give yourself a parameter just something it's like throwing yourself a big scarf you can do whatever you want with this scarf you can wear it as a turban you can wear it as a toga <laughs> you can wear it as a skirt <laughs> you can you know you can you can you can wear it over your head and go as a ghost it doesn't matter <laughs> but you do you do something with the scarf and and that's your improvisation so if you want to say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna play in the in the key of a and that's all i know and i'm gonna only do it one octave uh and once i feel comfortable with that i'm gonna push it a little bit then you can do a lot with that you can you can decide that you are a little more brave than that and you're going to play it in the key of a and somewhere once you feel comfortable you're going to you're going to change that to the key of d and you can do that and it's going to you know probably sound darn snazzy <laughs> darn snazzy i like that <laughs> um you just but you just have to do something and you and just make yourself comfortable and do it do it on your own record yourself and see mm-hmm. what you did and change rhythms and eventually you can do something like just give yourself a story but 
That's and you said moon lilies came from that style of improvisation. Yeah. I mean, moon lilies, one of the things about that is I actually changed modes. Um, mm. So I, I, I will, I went up in one mode and then up in another and up in one and up in another. And it, it, it gives a very, when you change modes, it gives a very mysterious kind of feel. And that's something that I do a lot in my music. When I, I compose, I, I, I do a lot of mode shifting. Um, so it makes, um, it gives a very, um, it gives a very shifty atmospheric high quality to it. It's not, um, it's not something that I try to use as a device. It's something that I feel. Um, and more that I've noticed that that's how I do it. I found that we all tend to have things we maybe gravitate towards. It's our personal language. When I sit down at a piano and I improvise, it all ends up sounding like Lord of the Rings music. And I can't escape it. That's what I love in my soul. And that's what comes out. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A whole, uh, I do a lot of ethnic improvisation, but a lot of mine waxes Celtic. Oh, and, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I love, um, but I love to do any sort of um any sort of different ethnicities and when someone um I love I love to do Turkish kinds of kinds of things and um I the, and the thing is a lot of them kind of have similarities but mm -hmm. I love to do Sephardic music and and um just there's there's just so many things that are are cool I I don't um, I don't write that much, um, like in a, say a Turkish style or, um, but yeah, just if, and I don't really know exactly where I've, where I've gotten this, you know, <laughs> propensity to, to do all these different styles, but, um, I can, I can do, a few African styles and it's it's nice to just play and and get into a a groove of a of you know a different sort mm -hmm. but the thing is a groove like that is a parameter it's something that you can fit in it's like putting on a glove and then you just go so it's kind of giving yourself boundaries to expand your freedom I guess really exactly. is what's happening mm -hmm. yeah yeah so if you don't freedom complete freedom people people want to be free but they don't feel comfortable just you know it, like jumping off a building with no parachute sure it's not comfortable right and that's why people don't like the idea of of free improvising and what they are always given as as something as the comforting hurrah is just do whatever you want. And it doesn't work for them to be given that instruction. Right. Paralysis of choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do you find that all of your compositions start from this improvisatory nature? Or do you sometimes just have a melody in your head that you want to put down? Or I, I, I will often just have a melody in my head that I will put down. And sometimes when I uh, go to improvise, I'll have that too. So mm -hmm. it's, it's all kind of the same brain. Um, I, I used to um, sometimes bemoan if I would have, you know, just this, this idea in my head and I wouldn't get a chance to write it down. And I stopped doing that because I realized there's just, there's always going to be something there. Mm -hmm. You're not going to run um, out of ideas. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. I just get edgy if a long time goes by and I haven't done anything. Where do you find inspiration for music? You know, my <laughs> biggest inspiration, which is kind of, kind of, um, I think I find it to be kind of weird, but <laughs> my biggest inspiration is being in a, um, in a vacuum. Mm. Uh, I like to be just like to 
go into a cave for quite a while and do I, I don't mean a, a literal cave but you know, I was about to ask I was like are there a lot of caves in Vermont you know <laughs> I, 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 sit, I sit in the cave and like, <laughs> once I get too cold I right <laughs> that could be a fun acoustic experimental place though that you know. right but um a metaphorical cave <laughs> yes and then there's the uh hold on a second i i think my dog is hold on oh it's okay i don't think i have any listeners who will be offended by puppy dog needs <laughs> oh yeah hi ruby oh my goodness ruby you've got you've got your bear in your mouth so nice. oh <laughs> oh my goodness hello ruby well the, <laughs> we have been joined by two adorable dogs <laughs> Ruby. oh my goodness one is a little black floof <laughs> yes okay, Ruby. so when i work on my own um it just or in a you know in a vacuum it's my own voice and it tends to somehow feed on itself and then i emerge and uh, I see what's going on in the world and I assimilate, acquire, you know, whatever. And then I just go back into my my vacuum and I I kind of started like that as a, as a kid and it's just kind of the way I work. So where I'm getting my inspiration from is probably um a lot from my past and from my from my memories as well as just what I what I create and recreate from from that I also get inspiration from nature like sometimes I will actually use bird calls and um the I just wrote a fanfare and I specifically put it in the key of the earth which seems to generally be um understood and i've understood this too to be d flat minor or um but i put it in c sharp minor because yeah. that's a little easier to read um <laughs> oh i have questions I, I don't know about the key of the earth i'd love to know about more about this <laughs> Yeah, in general, when when people have just recorded um, ocean and storm and birds and the pitches come out to be um, when, you know, weather slowed down, sped up, um, they come out to be uh, C sharp minor. Wow. I'm going to have to go uh, and that, research this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and furthermore, uh, I used, um, in this, in this fanfare that I just wrote, which is the fanfare for every woman, mm-hmm. I wrote, um, that for double brass choir and a, um, C sharp to gong c sharp uh low c sharp gong um i have the gong go off every 26 seconds so and that's because there is a seismologists have been um recording since the 60s that there is a micro seism that um seems to happen in some places of the earth and it's not something that we feel really but it's enough to it's enough to be recorded that that the earth shakes every 26 seconds whoa when this happens is it's like a little murmur they don't consider that to be the heartbeat of the earth they consider that the earth has a heartbeat as well but that's over a matter of like um, to 25 million years and I'm like no I'm not going to calculate that down to something <laughs> that's too much that's so, too much math <laughs> no <laughs> 
but yeah, so sometimes I'll take things like that and, and put them in because that's just um, really wonderful to, to bring in and, um, and unite, like unite all women with that. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, it's just wonderful. <laughs> I think that's an incredible mix of cerebral and corporeal. I mean, the the mix of the the thought process behind that with a very organic nature based thing. That's that's wonderful. I think that's <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> so, um, mm. do you feel like you have a certain compositional language that you could describe? I think that it's mostly um, that I'm mostly. Um, lyrical atmospheric mm -hmm. um but i will use elements of 12 tone sometimes i will use and i like i said before i use modal shifting so i'm going toward more um less breadth i used to um like a lot of my pieces are are 20 30 pieces 30 minutes long mm -hmm. and i'm really um making them more succinct now um just for the sake of um playability and audience so that's not it's not a universal thing i just want to be able to to do that it's kind of like a challenge to myself <laughs> to get things really wrapped up in that amount of time and um and still create an atmosphere but um I do a lot of I do a lot of tone poem sorts of things too really just the tone poem kind of um feeling such as my <clears throat> my um well I have one that was written for the um Vincali trio and the it was um with the um Ramon commissioning um fund. Mm -hmm from the IHS and that that's a that's called lanterns and it has four different movements of it and each movement tells the story of uh that's going around a lantern in history and it's all make believe but the, and the first one is seasons of a street lamp and it has each of the seasons. And this is just in one movement. So they each really stand on their own. But um, you can you can imagine kids running around in the in the summer and um, and the fall is kind of nostalgic and the winter is is you know a different a different feel than the than the spring. Um, and the um there's one called Paul Revere and that's mm -hmm. a that's a a lamp that's like in a tavern and it's got all these you know kind of pride kind of feelings and imperial kinds of feelings and then you can hear the clock striking and you can hear horses hooves and um there's a there's one that's all about Japanese lamps and it's got different sections of it named after different Japanese lamps. And um, I love that one. I loved writing that one. And that one was very much inspired because I really studied Japanese music for that and went for, um, I, I basically wrote Japanese folk songs without using Japanese folk songs and I made the flute and the horn emulate Japanese instruments um 
And then the last one is magic. And it's around a magic lantern. So they're you know, it's they're very much tone poems because they're telling they're telling stories. And then there are the things that I do where I actually have people singing stories. So <laughs> So storytelling stories is a main too. component of your composition for sure then. Uh, yeah very very much if not a story then then an atmosphere in which the the listener may come up with their own story or their own scene at very least I don't have very much music for its own sake I would say that the fanfare that I just wrote is a little different than that in that case yeah, fanfares are, are, are a special case because they're kind of serving a function, I guess, more That's than... That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a little... I have a few things like that that are ceremonial pieces, sure. but mm -hmm. yeah. Now, is that a play off of the uh, Copeland Tower collection of fanfares? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's yep. fun. That's very fun. <laughs> um, so this is a question I like to ask all my guests just to give an insight to their personality. Um, who is your favorite composer? And you can answer yourself, but I, you know, love to hear other answers as well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is really, that's really hard. I know. Um, <laughs> so, so difficult. I... I love, um, well, I love several, um, I love several dead white men, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, we all have our favorites. I'm, I'm a Mahler yep. apologist and I can't help myself. So <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I love playing Mahler and I love, I love teaching Mahler and, you know, I, like there are, We're horn there are articulations <laughs> that you use just for Mahler. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you use this articulation. Um, but um, seriously, uh, I I adore Wagner. Um, I adore Beethoven's Second Symphony. Mm. Um, I really like Alban Berg. Mm -hmm. I really like... Um, Bieber a lot the uh, like the old 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 I didn't old think you meant the, the, yeah, I didn't yeah think not you meant Justin, Justin Bieber <laughs> <laughs> no shade to any Justin Bieber fans but you know <laughs> yeah no 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 I'm saying the old the really old guy um and I um there's a friend of mine uh, whose name is Dennis Bathory Kitts, who wrote, um, he writes a ton of stuff. And he, he wrote um, an opera <clears throat> called Erzabet. Um, and it is fabulous. Mm, that's great. So good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I'm, you know, I'll think of a whole bunch after, you know, it's funny, oh, I, my I'm a person who doesn't attach myself that much to certain things. Um, I don't, I don't. Um, You're not a sports team person. <laughs> I change. Yeah. Yeah. I change a lot. Um, so I will, you know, probably think of things after. Of course. <laughs> oh, my answer to this question would change depending on the hour of day you ask me. So, you yeah, know, I, I completely yeah. understand <laughs> Yeah, I mean, some some people are unwavering in in their in their thoughts, and and I'm I'm not. <laughs> oh no, I'm not. I'm not either. I used to be an absolute um WC hater, and you know that changed in, you know, it took five years, but I came around and was like, oh, I've been wrong this whole time. You know, it, it's funny how our opinions yeah. about composers yeah. change. Yeah, yeah, so. there's some really <laughs> incredible stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> So yeah, what do you I'm find? Thinking... Oh no, yeah, you can always come back and stop me and say, "Hey, I've got another one." But um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, how do you typically and and do you have commissioners who approach you for for pieces of music, or do you just write things because you want to write them? Yes, 
but they, but they, uh, I used to really just compose entirely off of commissions for quite a while, like mm -hmm. nonstop commissions. Um, but that really stopped during the pandemic. I think oh. people are just feeling like that's too much of a luxury. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, just lately, I just wrote a piece for Mary Beth Orr. Mm hmm not to be confused um, with me because our people get our names mixed up <laughs> katie beth yeah. and mary beth that happens more right, often than you know right. <laughs> um, and that's a short one called dream of an epiphany and it's mm. for her singing with herself uh oh. she's got more more things on the uh up her sleeve but um mm -hmm. and that's written on the words of um trying to remember here uh zora Neil Hurston. Mm -hmm. I have, I mean, I've I've written a whole bunch of commissions, but very, very little during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. In your experience in the past, how did you get connected with people who wanted to commission your music and perform it? Someone might have known someone, uh, or they knew me. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of it, I think, it's easier if people I think it's easier being a performer mm -hmm. being even you know being a well-known performer I think I went from being a well-known performer to being someone who people know is a composer and I think that you know I say that sort of with tongue-in-cheek because I'm I'm always on my uh <laughs> always on my soapbox about about how women don't realize that women compose when there are just as many female composers as there are male composers and yet every day you see questions on on social media saying are there any female composers out there I'm thinking of playing some in my recital I'm mm -hmm. thinking of writing my thesis on it. And I'm like, oh my God, you're writing a thesis and you don't even know this, the answer to this question. Right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but anyway, um, people relatively know that I'm a composer at this point. And mm -hmm. um, because I'm, you know, starting to shift to, I'm not, I'm not playing in, I used to play in big orchestras and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, heck, I started my, career playing with the BSO when I was 16 but um yeah no big deal <laughs> I you know <laughs> uh, no. but <laughs> but um I and I you know like I turned down a being being groomed for the Met because I was because I was pregnant and I you know I probably would have done something like that but my mm -hmm. my ex was really down on it so I, uh, I just kind of, now I'm, I, I don't really, I don't want to play in orchestras anymore, even though I, I love, um, I love having that big feeling around me because I like more the personal connection with mm -hmm. people. And, uh, so I'll still, I'll still do improvisatory gigs and stuff, um, now and then, but I like the, I like the hands-on, um, stuff with the I like composing I love I love composing and um and also the the coaching I like to connect with people my favorite thing in the whole world is to see people feel something mm. and when I'm in orchestra I can't really do that that Right. I'm sitting in the back. <laughs> right, I know that's the hard you know? part of struggle. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> so, I was very lucky lately. I got to play a concert at the New World Center out in Miami, and that is a very small hall. Um, yeah, and so you can see yeah. everyone's face, and it was both intimidating and uplifting because I saw some people clearly bored out of their minds, and and it was you know Elgar's Enigma variations. It's not a boring piece. It's it's beautiful music. Um, yeah. you know, some people were bored and probably didn't want to be there in the first place, but some people were just enraptured and it was really, really fun getting to watch the facial expressions of, oh, and we also did the, um, Tchaikovsky violin concerto. And so mm -hmm. I had lots of chances to watch the audience during that while the soloist was playing the credenzas and watching the audience really just eat it up was 
such a treat and i wish we as horn players got to do that more often (laughs) yeah exactly yeah i just love that and when i when i'm a soloist i get to see that and that's you know great but i'm not going to do that all the time right and um you know so if i'm doing if i'm doing an improv gig then you know that's fine and we can have a connection although it's not it's not quite the it's not quite the same but when I compose something then I can sit out in the audience I don't all the time I mean you know lots of times your music gets played and you don't know it's being played it's mm-hmm. <laughs> being played right. out of some college or something but um if I am there I can I can see what is happening in the audience and that's neat and I love to coach people and and see how their feelings come out and how they how they grow and that's just so much so much more meaningful for me because we're in such a such a time of of change and and people needing to step out of themselves or step into themselves in order to deal with all the changes Absolutely. So your favorite place to be is in the thick of it. That's that's you want to be right in there. Yeah, I really I really do. And and you know, be an instigator, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone has to be, right? Otherwise things would never start. <laughs> right. Right. The composition has um a lot of lately I've I've been writing a lot of things for like tuba um tuba quartets and stuff because uh, yeah oh it's so much fun um the tuba quartet up here called metalworks and they mm. uh they um one of the tuba players plays in the quintet with me and uh he plays in the quartet with um one of the tuba players in the bso and mm-hmm. uh couple of other euphonium players and they have this group called metalworks and they keep commissioning me to play to to write things for them and uh it's yeah it's really fun so that's you know things like that happen have you written anything for horn and tuba yet not yet no uh which is i don't think i have no I mean, <laughs> in horn and tuba in sextets and stuff, but not sure. And quintets. Not in but... duo. Oh, well, if you do, I'll be the first to sign up for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The very important person in my life now is a, is a tuba player. So, you know, this, I'm soaking up all those duos now. <laughs> so right. <cool. laughs> yeah. Oh, there's some fun ones because I've, I've gone out and played uh, quite a few of them with Tony Clemens out in California uh, with the Mm-hmm. San Jose Symphony. So I'm going to switch now into what I call the heavy portion of the podcast. I need to okay. get a little jingle or something to make it more jocular. But um, so what do you feel have been the greatest challenges of your career? Um, closed minds. Yeah, that's that's a really succinct way to put it. Do you feel like you've experienced any hardships based on your gender when it comes to composing or performing? For sure. I have just mm-hmm. been absolutely overlooked and locked out because of my gender. Um, yeah. I have, I have like when I even just even here, like in this, this is actually an extremely artsy uh, state, but up here I will, I will be, um, I'll play say in a quintet and I will play in a concert and I will have written music. I will have been the contractor. I will have been, um, and I will have, you know, really kind of led the group. Um, and everybody will congratulate all the men. And if anybody gives me the time of day, they will will be like, oh, I've gotten comments as much as like, must be really nice for you to play with these guys. Uh-huh. And it's it's just astonishing the disrespect or and just the 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 ignorance mm-hmm. um yeah because i'm sure some of the time it's not intentional of course you know but right, it's, it's just you're right it's wild and it's very different because when i i used to um i used to 
play in Italy. And when I first came to play in the Rome Opera, the guys there were like, okay, I, you know, I came to play in the, in the Rome Opera. It's, it, obviously I could play, but they were, they were like, oh, you know, hi, nice to meet you. And, and um, they were very polite and, um, and welcomed me. And then I played and they, and they were like, whoa. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you know, how, how did you, how did you get that sound? And it's the same way you do. Um, <laughs> and then after that, it, they were completely respectful and just treated me normally. It wasn't like, you know, they didn't ignore me. They didn't, it was just like they had never been exposed to it before. And once mm -hmm. they were, everything was all cool. Here, people can't get it through their thick heads even when they're exposed to it so mm -hmm. I've been composing and somebody picks up a pen and paper when they are playing an instrument and they write a song for their students and they're a man and this is not to disrespect the man either it's just that they suddenly become a composer and mm -hmm. they get lauded and applauded and then they go on and their career gets lifted. And, mm -hmm. you know, by, by the time they're really famous, they've written three pieces, you know, right. and, mm -hmm. and nobody, I have gotten such things as, Hey, do you know that so-and-so is a composer? You, you might uh, get some tips from them because maybe you could, you know, lift your career. You know, and they've written freaking, you know, three pieces for their students. I have, you know, like what, 90 pieces? Yeah, you have an extensive catalog. And people, you know, playing this stuff all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um. So, and all I can, I, all I can see is that it's just ignorance, but, and I keep questioning myself. Why are we so invisible? Mm -hmm. And why are we invisible to ourselves? Why are we invisible to women? Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you know, I'm not invisible to you, but we're even, we're even invisible to a fair amount of other women who are composing, who are just mm -hmm. kind of sitting there. They figure that they're the only ones. Mm hmm or they know maybe a couple, but it, why do we, why do we have the shadow around ourselves? Right. It's why isn't it just, why don't people think, oh, I bet there are just as many women composing as men because there are. Right. Of course. You know, it's just, some of it's better than others, just like men. And, you know, it's not, and, and, and just like men, you know, some of the men's stuff isn't that good. Some of the women's stuff is better. And some of it you're going to like better. And some of it you're not going to like. It's just normal. We're all just humans. Right. And what may be a masterpiece to one listener is not a masterpiece to another one. I, I, you know, it's it's hard to assign value to artistic works, you know. And, and right. I would argue against assigning value to it. You know, just because it's not popular now doesn't mean it won't be you know, canon, quote unquote, in 20 years, you know, it, it's, it's wild, yeah. this whole system yeah. we've got going. But now I'm curious, if you come up with an answer to yourself about this question you ask, you know, why are we so invisible? I think uh, I haven't entirely, you know, I've come up with, with thoughts. Um, mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot of programming. There's, um, you know, just, just like there are a lot of women who put down other women because of roles that we have thought we needed to uphold and mm -hmm. think that those other women must uphold those roles as well um, because of pre-programming. We come into the world and we, we are um, serving we're just, we're serving others we're, mm -hmm. and we finally get to a point where maybe in late high school, early college, where we might come into our own, but then 
we will get married. And a lot of women just start serving again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when do they, do they lose the part of themselves? Do we lose the part of ourselves, which, um, which has come into our own? Do we, do we mourn that? Do we want to make sure that other women don't have it too? Do we, do we think other women are, aren't supposed to have it? And there's, you know, there's this, this thing that inside, in society, we, this role that we're supposed to have, even if we're liberated, what is that supposed to mean? What are we supposed to be liberated from? Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, that's a very third wave word, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I think we're coming to the end here, which is wild because I could keep talking to you for hours more. This has been so much fun, but I love to ask at least one silly question at the end of the heavy portion, which yeah. is um, what hobbies oh, yeah. and activities do you do for fun outside of music? Yeah. Um, well, I love, I absolutely love to kayak. Um Ooh. I love to, and I love to go kayaking actually on the, on the ocean. I, I love going in, in lakes and stuff, but, um, I love bringing my kayak like to, I love going to Maine and just going mm-hmm. and like going from one peninsula to the next and kind of, and getting lunch or something. I, <laughs> I don't want to go straight across the across the ocean. It's not my um that's not my jam only because there are those gigantic um you know those gigantic ocean liars that bring um that have like hundreds of freight trains worth of of freight cars like cargo containers yeah Yeah. and Mm -hmm. oh my gosh yeah and they don't they have like two guys on it somewhere and they're they're pretty much on autopilot and they they don't right they're not gonna see you they'll just run right over you yeah yeah they do not see you i don't want to deal with that and i don't want to try to stay awake all night you know trying to deal with that it's not that's not worth it i'm not like a not a yahoo emotion no (laughs) yeah I like I like the actual experience of being on the ocean. I'm not trying to prove anything, but but yeah, like going in and actually kayaking to lunch and stuff. I just I just love that. Otherwise, I am I am a creative in every way. So I just and <laughs> I enjoy it. Like I and one little known thing about me is that I am equally degreed in um art and music so i have a Ooh. i have a degree in intaglio printmaking which i don't use <laughs> but, <laughs> i'm sure but you I, use elements you learned in it at some yeah at some right so i draw i like to draw mm-hmm. and i um and i haven't i don't really make any i don't make a living in the other um art but i like to i like to do it i just you know my my parents took me um had me go to art school really before uh for music school and mm-hmm. um so I do that I write a blog I have um and I love to um I love to cook and just like I am an improvisationalist ah. I'm very much a wing it cook so <laughs> see um, I'm a baker so that's my anathema yes. you know I'm like I am I measure it and put it in exactly how it says you know <laughs> I love to, I love to bake, but, um, if I'm going to measure, I will tend to weigh, um, mm, sure. yeah, um, I'll tend to weigh it. And otherwise I can, I can like eyeball it and feel it. And like, if it's a dough, it's going to feel a certain way, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm making like bread, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, I do, I do those <laughs> kinds of things and I, um, after my, after my divorce, I suddenly, I was traveling around country a lot to, um, to perform. And I was doing clinics on free improvisation and, uh, my compositions and doing and soloing with orchestras and, and big brass bands and stuff. And suddenly I had to get a divorce, you know, and, and that wasn't, 
and you're not going to leave your kid alone to raise themselves, you know? So I, I stayed here and there wasn't really enough, um, gigs right here. So I, um, took a job in my love of food and stuff. And, um, I took a job in the wine business Ooh. for a little while. And so, uh, I don't like working under somebody else. So that was, that was the thing <laughs> about that. I'm just not, I'd rather, I'd rather not work in wine. I'd rather mm -hmm. like have a meal with my friends and choose the wine and choose what they yes. would like and, you know, tell them about it and stuff. But so like uh, a, a known, an at-home sommelier. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. That's just so much more fun than being, you know, paid for that. But Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's about me. I like to kayak. I like, and I, and I love food and wine and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. It sounds like a great life to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And my dog. <laughs> oh, and of course your dog Mochi, who visited earlier, who was edited out for time's sake, but very cute dog. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's so wonderful. Uh, so you've got so many pieces, um, for horn, uh, available for purchase on your website. The main site for me is LydiaLaurieBustler.com. Right. Um, okay. And yeah, to get my, to get my works, you'd um, go to the store tab. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you can also listen to some of the works on the, um, on some of the other tabs. There's a tab, I think that's for listen and Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep, we got listening and coaching and if they want to know anything more about you we can go to lydialowrybustler.com yeah. and do you are you on the social medias as well or are you pretty self-contained mm -hmm. to the website i'm uh i'm on facebook and i'm on linkedin and i'm on instagram oh great so you've got them all <laughs> i and do well i don't tweet <laughs> oh well you know will any of us be tweeting for much longer who knows but uh, right <laughs> it's a whole different podcast right come there. and go <laughs> they sure do uh, do you have any upcoming projects or pieces you'd like to promote or share with us yeah um i have just uh like i said i have just written the fanfare uh for every woman mm -hmm. and the thing about that is i'm putting it out as something that women um, and not, I'm not putting this out for, I mean, I can, but I'm not putting this out for like the top players in the world. I am putting this out for every woman to be, um, to be on the score. And, um, because I can't just, you know, pick and choose, I'm actually letting people either sponsor someone for a part or be, um, or choose to be on a part themselves and I have two trumpet parts and two trombone parts that still um that are still open to be um sponsored the sponsorships are a hundred dollars a piece not you know not huge um mm -hmm. and if you want to be on that, your name will be on that piece forevermore. I'm going to Ooh. register it with the names of the eight women brass players on the on the work. <clears throat> and it's going to go down, you know, right now at this point in history when women are um, fighting for their rights, women are shaving their heads and... Um, it is a it is a historical time in history, one of many, and uh, that's why I wrote this piece now. Um, so wonderful. Those are those are open for you can you can reach out to me at that website if you would like to sponsor someone for one of those parts, or if you would like to be um, if you would like to take on one of those parts. Your yourself there is planned to be a um worldwide uh concurrent performance of that um and we're going to put that on um on various broadcast networks on the uh on the youtubes that's wonderful is there a date for that yet or is it still tv not yet yeah. not yet okay yeah it just right, it just got written and um 
and yeah um how exciting yeah (laughs) that's that's great that's big news that'll be a a huge experience for everyone yeah yeah i'm i'm excited it's really it's really um something that i i hope a lot of people will get excited about because i think it's something that we really could um leverage to to lift a lot of people mm-hmm. yeah i could imagine that message resonating with a lot of a lot of women musicians absolutely yeah. so well lydia thank you so much for joining me today i appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedule and, and talking with me for an hour <laughs> it's so it's great been awesome it, i appreciate oh. you oh thank I'd you <laughs> love to um learn more about you at some point <laughs> i know we'll have to do a reverse podcast or something you know <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> well thank you listeners for joining us this week and uh, we'll have another episode for you a week from today so thank you this has been represent the podcast for more episodes you can find us at spotify and apple podcasts or on my website www.katiebethmckinney.com if you liked what you heard today please rate us five stars or leave a review thank you for listening